I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hi, and welcome to Perfectly Imperfect. I'm Christine. And I'm Regina. Today we have a full house. That we do. (laughs) (laughs) This is our second time doing this intro. (laughs) No, okay. Today's going to be a really fun episode, but also based on a lot of emotions and heavy topics. But I think it's a good blend of people because these are the people that are closest to me in my life. So let's introduce our guests. All right. Today, sitting to my right. Ooh. In the corner, in the right corner, <laughs> weighing in at... I don't want people to know my weight. Okay. 150 pounds, 150 pounds. <laughs> Is Jack Christine's new fiancé? Wow. Because <laughs> I threw away my old one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Christine and Jack, how long have you guys been together now? Like seven years? As long as I've known you, Regina. I know. As long as you've known me. I feel like when Jack and Christine first started dating, I was definitely like there, only hearing Christine's side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think as you guys started dating and your relationship started to blossom, I also got to know Jack really well too, just because we were always in group settings together. And then I got to know Jack also like one-on-one, which I feel like is a pretty unique experience. Like I feel like- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I just feel like, you know, when it comes to like friends, like I don't really get to know their SOs like mm. on a one-on-one kind of basis mm. very often. You guys definitely have your own relationship. Yeah, yeah. which was like cool. <laughs> like <laughs> to be able to like go to Jack and like have him also reach out to me and be like, hey, if you ever need anything, like I'm here and, and stuff like that. So I mean, you were there at our proposal. You're part of the No, mastermind. yeah, you were an integral part of it. You're the, <laughs> the other half of fooling Christine. Oh, yes. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that yes. in another episode. <laughs> yes, I have many um, close people in my life that like to fool and trick me, apparently. <laughs> So, yeah, so Jack is our guest number one. I'm so honored. I'm so honored. You guys teased this for a long time. Teased me. You said you would bring me on as a guest. And then you left for a year and a half before (laughs) recording this episode. Wow, he's like really calling us out. I know. We actually took the hiatus so we didn't have to have (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We were thinking of the right episode to bring you on. And I think you're the perfect person to speak on or have us ask all these questions and be curious about it so we're so happy that you decided to join us and share your wealth of knowledge of being a man (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait i can't wait so our second guest (laughs) (laughs) our second guest is someone that has known me my and no he hasn't known me my entire life i've known him his entire life he's someone whose value i highly highly uh value (laughs) did i say that (laughs) that didn't make sense his opinion is someone that I highly, highly value. We grew up fighting with each other here and there, but now I would say he's one of my best friends and one of the strong men in my life that I lean to, even though he's younger than I am. But age is not a thing. I feel like he's really grown with a lot of wisdom. So I want to welcome my brother, Michael Chen. Hi, hi. This is my first time doing this, so I don't know how to introduce myself. But uh, Thank you for that. Okay, we're sharing a mic, so it might be. <laughs> we're gonna do. 
We're going to do the best we can. Off to a great start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I brought in Michael because if it was just us three, it would just be like our relationship. You guys would just be talking the entire time. At some point, I would just be in the background. Mike, Mike is Jack's <laughs> emotional support. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah he was uh, definitely be outnumbered without me. So <laughs> he's going to be my new brother-in-law. So I feel like I got half his back. That's oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> you can always choose my side. <laughs> is what Christina say. So today, the reason why we have gathered these two men in this room, we wanted to talk about men and emotions and how we as a society have always just kind of looked down on men who were emotional or who cried or we have these like set standards of who we expect them to be. Mm-hmm. And whenever they show any sign of emotion, it was always seen as a negative thing. I think for us as women, like our best way of understanding ourselves is to talk about those things. I know at least for me, that's very, very true. Right. And so we really wanted to invite these guys on to ask them, like, what shaped their idea of not being able to speak about their emotions? Or do they just feel like that's something that they never connected with? What are you thinking? Yeah, what are you thinking? Like, you know, I always grow up thinking that like, oh, guys, were just like in a less emotional breed but whenever i talk to my guy <laughs> friends i'm like they have so ma- they have so many emotions and so many yeah. feelings no we don't everything. we don't have emotions <laughs> <laughs> that exactly is why we're doing this episode <laughs> exactly so we wanted to dive in deep yeah because you know really it comes from a place of being curious and wanting to understand and i think as females and girls there's more of an open space for us to be able to talk about our feelings to express different emotions and to share our stories openly and to dig deeper. But not to say that men don't, but just to gain a better understanding from their perspective and how as women we can show up better in their lives to create a safer space for both sides to be able to share their stories and honesty and explore that because it's not one size fits all type of solution. Like, oh, this is how you be honest with yourself. This is how you dig in deep. But the ways that men communicate, the way that they process things, the way that they intake information and all of that, I think would really serve us as a world and also as females to be able to just have a better understanding of that and then also i think in the process give the space for men to explore that as well so let's get into it so jumping into it we wanted to start with you know you guys growing up as boys and how that experience was in terms of what were some of the subconscious things that you guys took in about emotions and feelings as boys Yeah, growing up in a household where it's a very traditional Asian-American household with immigrant parents, my dad was really traditional in how he raised me. So it was really difficult because my dad didn't really express emotions, really, besides anger and rage um, and happiness. So there was no in-between. So that was really my example. And he also was, I'll be honest, sexist. So seeing the difference between like how he treated my sister and how he treated me and even how my mom treats me and my sister, it really created a very interesting dynamic. Um, not understanding it like consciously and just absorbing it. That was the most difficult part of understanding emotion as a boy for me personally. So your example was your father and mm-hmm. how he expressed emotion was how you intook information about what it was to be a boy and a man. Did you know at that age the difference between how your sister expressed her emotion and how that was accepted versus you? Yeah, yeah. I think on a very subconscious level, you start to see that, right? Like, the difference between if she cried and I cried. Even though growing up, most parents tell you not to cry, Mm -hmm. but there definitely was a distinct difference, at least in my life, where it was like, hey, you know what? Guys don't cry. You know, it's a sign of weakness for you to cry. So keep that stuff in check. Did they tell you that? My dad did. Uh... 
At what age did you like you became very aware of this? I feel like maybe in elementary school. Okay. What's the age difference between you and your sister? Five years. Five years. Mm. Okay. That's the same as me and my brother, or four and a half. Mm. Yeah. Well, what about you, Mike? Yeah, no, dad Dad would say the same thing to me, too. He would say, man, don't cry. Wait, he did? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, no, as in, do you have a, like, a specific memory of when that happened and how he said it? No, I, no, I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what happened. I just remember being really sad about something. I might have dropped something or fallen or something. I probably fell. And he just picked me up and said, man, don't cry. And I guess I never realized that he never said that to you. Yeah, he never said men don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You looked a lot like a boy when you were a kid. So. Oh, oh shots fired. <laughs> you know, that is true. I'm not going to deny it. I did. Yeah, I did as a girl get told just don't cry. But it was yeah. never like girls don't cry. Yeah. But I mean, but no, but like more so men, it's just like you don't do that. You know, you don't show your emotions. You just keep moving forward. You know, I think also kind of growing up, I mean, Jack and I are both really into sports. Mm-hmm. So you'd watch these like huge men, you know, going into battle, essentially, you know, they can't show any emotion and you kind of just learn from that. Did you ever notice a difference between the way that like you were being raised versus Christine? Not really. I think back on it now, I think well, when I was a kid, I definitely didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the younger one, too. So yeah. obviously, I don't really have that perception. But now that I think back on it now, yeah, it's very different. Like our mom was more so harder on her. Mm. And it's not that our dad was harder on me, but he was more so like instilled a lot of what he believed I should be in both good and bad. As good, a man. As a man, yeah. I think he instilled a really good work ethic in me. Mm. He's instilled a really good like you got to make sure to take care of yourself, take care of your family type. But he also instilled more so the if you feel like you need to express yourself, why don't you just sort of suppress that really quick and move past it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other than rage and happiness. I think those are the yeah, two emotions yeah that we watch dad even now express yeah yeah and it's like what jack said there wasn't really anything in the middle yeah that i think back on it now it's that like i was never really taught how to express love as a man mm-hmm. mm. but how to, how to like show affection to your family yeah mm. and i think that is you know a lot of things that men struggle with today so taking all of that into account and you guys reflecting back as grown men, how did you see your adolescence in your behavior as a boy growing into like a teenager being affected by that type of upbringing? It's interesting thinking back at it in that view. You just realize that whole from high school to mid 20s to late 20s, it was all the same. There's no fluctuations. It's like, hey, you have beef with your friends. You don't really talk about it. <laughs> you get mad. And then next day comes and you're like, let's just squash it. There was no discussion and with family too. There's not much discussion of, hey, how are you feeling? How are you going to handle this emotionally? Mm -hmm. You just suppress it and you move towards the next day. It's a cycle that goes over and over and over. It's until you, the first girl that you date, that you're like, oh shoot, I'm getting a lot of feedback right now. I got to get more in touch with my emotions because she's pushing me to be like, all right, let me... Let me reassess how I handle my emotions. It gets a bit damaging after some time. And I think we sort of have the benefit of being able to identify that, at least with with our dad. I mean, he was an immigrant from Taiwan, didn't really know the language, really tried to make it, had a lot of failed businesses, a lot of failed jobs. So I don't think he had the time to really assess himself and be like, am I really being there emotionally for my family? He's like, no, I need to give him money. I need to put food on the table. I need to put a house over their heads. 
it's not that I'm not going to fault him because that's the environment that he grew up in. But I think, you know, in our generation, we're sort of blessed with the time to really assess and really, really see, you know, how that's affecting the people around us. Mm. So then I say at, you know, high school, even in your 20s or just up until you guys blossomed and became aware of your emotions. How did you guys process sadness or any other emotion other than rage or happiness? That's a good question. I think. I don't know. I don't think I even truly process sadness. Like when I really think back on my life, I don't think I really process sadness. I didn't really cry by myself. I just was like, man, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I, it just sucks. I think it's it's like a numbing feeling. You don't really break down ever. Not that I haven't. Like I've had a good cry here and there, but you just feel numb and you kind of just go about your day. I see a lot of guys how they actually deal with sadness with anger. Mm. Like they get angry. Like they can't express themselves or things in their life emotionally are going the right way, whether it's family or the job. Like, for example, playing basketball, Michael, you see, you know, there's a guy that takes too much onto the court, right? And he's like extra aggressive. He's hurting other people. And you're like, this guy has some other issues in his life. That's what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, he's taking this a little too seriously. Yeah. Well, can you guys walk us through the thoughts that you guys have, like looking back now at the time when you guys felt sad? Are there things that you guys told yourself? Like, do you guys replay like your dad's voice saying, men don't cry? Or were you guys just not conscious of that? Yes, that does replay in my mind. Men don't cry. You know what? Just pick up whatever you need to worry about and just get to the next day and just power through because there's no time to waste. That's really the mentality that was instilled in me is all the moments that you're taking crying or thinking about being sad. It's a waste of time. You're just not moving forward. And my mom actually perpetuated this in my family too. It's like, hey, stop wasting time being sad. It's counterproductive. Like you can't do anything about it. So just do what you need to do. Was she like that with your sister? Not as much, but still, I mean, I think it's the immigrant mentality Mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, like they're used to survival mode. They're like, we came to this country, not being able to speak the language. We had to work really hard. So what's all this effort in being emotionally in touch and figuring all this other stuff out? It's like, look, we're just trying to get to the next day. And we're trying to save up money to pay for our kids' education and stuff like that. That was really the general feeling in, I guess, my household anyways. For sure. I feel like even with my parents, to this day, I feel like sometimes I'll explain my emotion to my mom. And she's like, I don't understand why you feel that. (laughs) Like, why do you have so many opinions and so many feelings about all these things? Like, why does it matter? I do think that we are very privileged to be able to explore that. But I can definitely see how for a guy to have the already like the set societal rules of what how you are supposed to act or how you're supposed to think and to have Asian parents were like, no, 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 <laughs> it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Just keep going. How that can like really affect your psyche growth. Yeah. And even extending beyond just like your dad, what other people or things in society reinforce this idea that you guys as guys just shouldn't feel or shouldn't have emotions? I guess I want to make one quick distinction. No. Um, <laughs> so, <no. laughs> so, so I shut it. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily about not showing emotion. It's being in control. I think as a man, you're taught to be in control. And emotion is the opposite of control in a man's view. The stereotypical when, like, let's say my dad's like, oh, look at your sister. She's out of control. She's crying. She's not in control of your emotions. And you should be in control of your emotions. Because when you're not in control of your emotions, there's a kind of inefficiency to life. Like you're losing control. You're not focusing on the right things, which is provide for your family. Do all these things that men should do. 
So is it that women can be frivolous with their like, in the way that that's being interpreted, like, oh, showing emotion and being out of control and being careless and just being, that's something that women can afford doing. But us as men, because we got stuff to do, we have real responsibilities and stuff like that. I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I don't know what the interpretation, digging further into that, how you guys interpreted that. Yeah, I think it's if there's too much noise, you can't make a logical decision. I mean, obviously, it wasn't taught to us in those words, mm-hmm. but I think that's sort of the theme of it. I mean, going to be a lot of sports references in this episode, I guess. <laughs> We've already accepted that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like you see the players that are able to really do well time and time again are the ones that are able to control their emotions. Mm-hmm. And even when someone gets angry, that if they're able to channel that into something positive, mm-hmm. then, you know, they're able to succeed. But you see someone who's just like getting really angry, gets tossed out of the game, is no longer an asset to their team. Then, you know, I think that's sort of the way that we see it. So, I mean, I guess to answer the question that you asked before is like, what other things other than, you know, your dad sort of influenced you? You know, I think obviously sports, I think pop culture, I think movies. What about friends? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, we, we all kind of grew up in the same environment. So we all took what we learned at home from our dads and brought it out to school and to the playground and stuff. So, you know, we would, if there is, you know, a more sensitive guy, we would sort of give a little bit to him just because... Rag on them? Rag on them a bit Mm. because, you know, you would say, hey, that's not how a man should act. You know, I was taught this from my dad and, you know, you shouldn't be crying there. Gets reinforced on the playground. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. And that reinforcement, essentially what I hear you guys saying is that you guys saw real consequences to being out of control. And being out of control, one of the ways is by expressing emotions. Like, what about like pure elation? Like getting crazy and like partying and like, woo! Like, is that's okay? Like I said, there's two spectrums of emotions that my dad expressed, happiness or rage or anger. Those are acceptable <laughs> for men. Like when you see a guy angry, you're just like, oh man, like it's a show of strength almost how it's viewed. It's like, wow, he's putting his foot down. He's showing other people, especially other men. I'm coming at a show of strength. Look at me, you know, like I'm angry about this. I'm putting my foot down. I'm telling you how I feel in this setting. This is not cool. And happiness is just like, man, you're a champion or whatever in that sports analogy. You got to celebrate victory, right? A lot of it's ego based, I'll be honest. So now that you guys are both in your 30s, in your guys' words, what changed for you? Like being where you guys are now versus what we just described in your past? I think for me, a lot of it was that dad did work a lot, you know, growing up when we were growing up. Not that he wasn't around, but he wasn't as involved in me growing up. So me going to my little league stuff or, you know, school activities, all that, it was mom who took me. She took us. And then, you know, as you started to get older, I think you sort of somewhat assumed a motherly role to me i say that very (laughs) hesitantly like it was a force (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i mean i'll admit that i've learned a lot from the two of you in terms of sort of like the misconception of how a man should act and how a woman should act you know and that a woman can be strong and that a woman can show emotion and be strong And I think it helped me sort of understand that possibly what dad was trying to instill. And I keep saying him, I don't want to keep like putting it on him, but sort of what society was telling me a man should be may not have necessarily all been true. Mm. Yeah, that's my brother. No, no, no. <laughs> so yeah, no. I didn't want to say this because she's going to take all the credit. Oh, see, this is why Mike is like this. Oh, because of me. 
I didn't say no. that. <laughs> she was ready to. <laughs> so I was super triggered. <laughs> I was just going to say, good job. I'm very proud of you as my brother and all the work that you've done. Hearing what you guys have said, it's like it was a very one-sided conversation about what was okay and not okay for you guys growing up as guys. And then whether it's whatever gender growing up and realizing what we were taught was not necessarily the truth. Yeah. And a lot of it was not our truth. But sifting through that in your 20s is which is why the 20s is such a tumultuous time because it's just you're trying to make that distinction for yourself. And you're like, wait, do I believe that? But then I don't want that. But you're telling me that I should want that. So what should I do? Which direction should I take? So I don't know how true that rings for you, Jack. I think the biggest growth that I started to make emotionally was really taking out the divide between what a girl should be and what a guy should be. Like you grow up with all those things reinforced, whether it's through family or pop culture or social media and all that stuff, or just yeah, movies and things of that nature. You start to create a separation. And for me, when I took away that separation and started really taking in the feedback of the women in my life, my mom, my sister, you, and you know, like my ex-girlfriend, I start to realize oh. <laughs> <laughs> I started to realize that, hey, like they're not this other being <laughs> that I should see in a lesser light in terms of, oh, like you guys expressing your emotion. That's not a sign of weakness. That's actually coming from a sign of strength that you're more in touch with your emotions so you can elevate the relationships around you, whether that's with family or your friends. And I wanted to reach that level too. I wanted to elevate the relationship in my life. And I saw all the relationships in my life at that time when I started to make that realization and they were all not going well because I wasn't communicating my emotions. So nobody knew where I stood. Nobody understood the things that I'm going through because I couldn't communicate it. And it's frustrating on their end too because they're like, hey, my mom and my sister, what's going on in your life? And I'm like, you just don't understand me. I'm not allowing them that ability to understand me. Mm. And that's communication and being in touch with myself and my own emotional well-being. Yeah. I'm really curious to know that now that you guys have kind of gone through this growth and you see it affect like the relationships that you have with like women in your lives, like with what Jack was saying with like his mom, his sister, with you, Christine, even. Do you feel like your guys' relationship with your guy friends have changed too? Like, do you feel like you want to be more open with them? Because I've always been curious what guys talk about besides sports. sports. <laughs> like, if you take 24/7. sports out of the conversation, like, what do you guys talk about? Because, no. like, girls will go on for hours about literally everything from the past to the present to the future. And, like, I've always been curious. Like, I have guy friends who have their guy friends who are just so loyal to them, like loyal to almost a fault even. And I'm like, but like, what do you guys really know about each other other than the fact that like, oh, we're fret bros or like, oh, you know, we're childhood friends. Yeah, no, I mean, I have a very, very strong group of friends that I've known since I was a kid, guy friends. And we've remained very close because we all have very similar interests. You know, we all play sports. We all like to work out. We like to do activities. But I think what really, really made us close was that, yeah, sort of going in what you were talking about is being able to sort of expand that relationship and sort of have these deep conversations, kind of seeing them grow up and seeing them try to like define themselves as men, too. I think that's also very important. What created that shift? Or did you guys always have that where you guys were able to express certain emotions that you guys have or like release emotions? Or was it something that you guys grew into where someone brought up one day was like, hey, I have a lot of feelings, man. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about my That's feelings. exactly how. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to like. It's not every time we get together. Yeah. It's like, um, I think it's something that we all had to learn a little bit more about ourselves, and doing that helped us express ourselves a little bit. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm thinking about you know some of the guys listening now, 
and would want that type of relationship with their guy friends, but not knowing how to bridge that because, yeah, when they get together, no one talks about that. Sports, <laughs> <laughs> you know, work, you know, and relationships. But even then, I don't know how deep do you guys go when you guys talk about your relationships with like girlfriends and wives and all that. I think number one is the first and foremost, what you need to do is get comfortable with yourself because I've had that struggle with some of my guy friends where I start to be more vulnerable and then someone makes a joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then and it kills it and you're just like i guess we're not going to go there then because it gets uncomfortable for some guys and they're just they'll make a, a stupid joke just to cut the tension you're like all right yeah we don't have to talk about it it's good uh, we're good but when you're comfortable with yourself it doesn't matter if that person makes a joke i just want like hey you know what i want to talk about this mm-hmm. like you can take it seriously or not but i'm taking it seriously and i have no problem with that but when you're not, you get really jittery inside. You're like, oh god, oh my god, like this is not going well. Judgment, yeah, yeah, judgment, and it like exactly. confirms everything that you've felt. Yeah, and the fears that you have of like, hey, I'm putting myself out there with my friends, and as guys, this is not the norm necessarily. So that ends up happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you get more comfortable with yourself and you grow into being comfortable being a man and what your place is with your family, your friends, your job or whatever, then yeah, all that stuff comes really naturally. But yeah, there's growing pains though, no doubt about that. I think a really good starting point is just asking each other how they're doing. You know, how, how are you doing? You know, how you been, how's your job? How's your family? How's everything going with your health? You know, those are all very, very, I would say simple questions to answer. You can go as deep as you want, or you can stay as shallow as you want. That's important because for someone who may not be as comfortable sharing all that stuff, they just say, no, it's cool. Everything's fine. But if they really were like, hey, I've been struggling a lot with this lately. I don't really know what to do with my job, with my career. Then you sort of open that door, you know, but it's a very, very low risk way of introducing that. Yeah, because this happens with girls, too. There are some girls that are just like, no, I'm not going to share that. So it is creating a safe space for that. But it is coming from, like what Jack said, a level of being comfortable with yourself regardless of how other people may intake the information or the feelings that you're sharing. So Jack, when you said it takes getting to know yourself, getting in touch with yourself, like how did you and Mike start that process coming from just suppressing, suppressing, suppressing and being numb to getting in touch? That's a pretty big jump. Yeah, I mean, it happened over a span of time and it's hard to pinpoint exactly how it happened. But I think when you start to get frustrated in life, it's because you're unhappy with yourself. I think that's always number one. I mean, there's external things that make you unhappy, but most of it's internal because when you're unhappy internally, the external seems exaggerated, right? So like, that's where it began for me. I was like, man, I'm really unhappy with myself. And I see how I'm handling situations, like getting in fights or overreacting to people who are asking poignant questions about me, you know, because I can't process it. I can't process this emotion or process the things that are happening to me. So that was number one, where I'm like, man, like, however I'm reacting to the people around me, especially the people I love, it's not aligning with my intention. (laughs) That's where the growth began, really. And then after that, it's just really finding the right people in your life to, I guess, strengthen you or help facilitate your growth. And you were definitely one of them, Christine, because you're the person that asked these questions. I think that's the one thing about girls that are in touch with emotions is they don't let you off the hook, right? (laughs) Like they'll keep asking you, they'll keep pushing you, they'll keep pushing you. And it sucks at first because you're like, dude, like back off. But never. (laughs) Exactly. Christine's head is getting so big right now. Yeah, it really is. I feel like this is inflating her ego. I'm suffocating everyone in the room. But I mean, I'm just, no, okay, because that's coming from a girl like my brother can attest to this. I've 
always felt a lot of emotions growing up. My brother saw the direct consequences of that. I always say that to him now. I'm like, as a grown man, I feel like I've asked him, I was like, do you think you not being in touch with your feelings is because growing up you saw how crazy I was and what happened with that? And he just straight, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He just straight looked in my eye. 100%. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. (laughs) I'm someone that has gone through that earlier on. Therefore, I can see the signs in people of the rage building up or like the unsettled (laughs) feelings and the conflict. Well, it's funny because Christine does that to me as well. (laughs) Like whenever, because I'm also like, it was funny because earlier when we were talking about emotions and stuff, I actually related to the guys more than I related to Christine Mm. in regards to emotion. And so like when I start getting very like quiet and like introspective E, Christine will just say, but why do you feel that? Where do you think that comes from? How do you think that makes you feel? (laughs) I I think we should start a support group. (laughs) How many of you have felt personally victimized by Christine Chen raised your yeah. There's all these like people from the perfectly imperfect listeners that come. In. Yeah, they're like, I, um, I, I only listen for Regina. <laughs> yeah, so go on. We interrupted you. I help facilitate a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, no, no. We're moving on now. <laughs> Fall is just around the corner and we are so excited to be partnering with FabFitFun. Their boxes are such an easy way to try new products that have been specifically curated by their team, filled with tons of goodies that are perfect for each season. I'm always scared of subscription boxes because I don't want to end up paying for a bunch of products that I'm not going to use. So I love that FabFitFun boxes are customizable and filled with products I actually want. Each box comes with full-size beauty, wellness, fashion, fitness, and tech products worth over $200 for just $39.99 if you use our special code PERFECTLY for $10 off your first box. This month's box includes products such as Amika's hair straightener, a Kate Spade lunch tote, bubble bar earrings, Wonder Beauty eye masks, and so much more. I'm so excited to get my box this season. I also love that many of the products are from female-founded companies, which is really important to us, and they partner with nonprofit each season to raise funds and build awareness. This season, the nonprofit is City of Hope, which is dedicated to making a difference in the lives of people with cancer, diabetes, and other serious illnesses. What a great way to get some self-care goodies and support a great cause. Be sure to get your box today with the code PERFECTLY for $10 off. Okay, well, Mike, how about you? Like bridging that gap from, you know, growing up and everything, the interpretations to getting in touch with your feelings. Like, how did that happen for you? I mean, I'll be honest, I still don't really know myself. I would say that I have gone better with it, have gone better with trying to accept my emotions and trying to be real with it. But there are times when I just kind of react and I don't really know how to process it. But I think that's important because I think the first step into that is just accepting that you don't have everything figured out, that you do not know yourself and that what you may be feeling are just things that everyone feels. And that's okay. A lot of it is is taking responsibility. And, you know, you kind of go through life, you go through your 20s. And if you start to see someone like the same sort of themes happening to you and happening around you, you know, you're in a relationship, you know, you see some issues, you get into another relationship, you see the same issues, get into another relationship, you see the same issues, you start a job, go to another job, it's the same thing. Then I think it's someone taking that responsibility and saying, hey, maybe I'm actually a part of the problem and that 
I'm drawing a lot of these issues to me. And there's certain things about maybe what I'm giving off or how I'm reacting to things that, you know, these things just keep popping up in my life. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's being able to somewhat identify those things and saying, all right, let's go back to these times. How did I react? How did that make other people feel? And then, you know, just slowly going from there. Yeah, I totally agree with that, where I feel like the narrative has been feelings are the bad guys. Like you shouldn't have those feelings. Then you start feeling guilty or you start feeling shame for having those feelings. But feelings are not the things that should be blamed or be like having a bad rap about it. It actually, if anything, why those feelings are coming up is the important thing. It's a sign that something within is not aligned, right? So everything that Mike just said about just being able to pick up on the themes and patterns in your life that before you were unconscious of, you were just reacting. Definitely there are times, thank you, Michael, for like, you know, being honest about how you're still figuring things out. And it's not just like you wake up and you're like, yeah, I got my shit together. Like, you're not triggered by anything. Everyone has triggers and very personal triggers. So when it comes up for you, start noticing it is when that's a sign. That's a sign that you no longer resonate with that because you can think back before and you just be like oh yeah when my mom said this i would always yell back at her Mm. but then when you start noticing that you're being triggered by it and feeling a certain way then that's a sign that you're like actually that's not i don't like to make my mom feel sad or upset and then thus beginning the process of what the heck is going on inside so it's not the feelings itself is not a bad thing it's actually just I think it's just like a mechanism for us to be able to identify now that we're evolved beings. I feel like it's one of those things where I know I brought this up several times, but like, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if their shelter and safety in food is not already kind of set out for them, they don't have time to like think about their feelings. And I think that's what was relevant with our parents too, where they're just so focused on like, okay, how do we build a successful life? Okay, da, 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 da. And now they've done it. They're like, okay, so why do you guys have so many feelings? (laughs) Because we had the privilege of being like a step up from them. You know, like we didn't have to worry so much about getting food on the table or whatever. We just woke up and it was there. So to us, we have this kind of newfound light, I guess, to be able to explore our passions, to figure out like, hey, you know, I'm doing this job, but do I really like it? And have the opportunity to change it if you don't like it. I think that those are privileges that our parents never had. And that plus a very strict kind of Asian upbringing that they had, I think that that's what made them teach us to suppress emotions because they're like, well, life is hard. You just got to keep trudging on and emotions get in the way of that. So, And also society has changed a lot. All these options and different pathways of that did not exist during our parents' generation of like, oh, you could make a career like talking into a mic. <laughs> yeah, or like videotaping cats. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also the idea of mental health has changed. And yeah, mental health yes. and feelings and emotions are connected to be able to express yourself. When you're unable to express yourself, it leads to depression, right? And depression leads to very serious things like suicide, which is really high in men, actually, because they can't express themselves. But now times are starting to change where men are more aware of mental health. Mm -hmm. I mean, our parents' generation, it's not as strong. It comes and goes. I feel like I've been trying to talk to my parents about it more. And sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was growing up, my mom used to always call like my grandma's like pills, like happy pills. And those were like her depression pills. But I didn't know that. She would just be like, oh, those are her happy pills. And like, it didn't occur to me until I was like in college. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's like a dose of sunshine and she's like yeah. Yeah. I was like yeah <laughs> and I know you guys kind of touched upon this in the different ways that you guys have answered it for those that are curious and going through this themselves what were some of the consequences that you guys have learned or seen or witnessed of not expressing your feelings and just suppressing and suppressing and Regina you can also chime in on this since you're emotionless yeah. yes <laughs> uh, the consequences at least for me I've seen in my family is like my dad is not really in touch with emotions and I, I mean I respect my dad a lot in providing for my family I don't want to keep bashing on him because I've mentioned that he's a little sexist and he wasn't really there in my life emotionally and physically since he worked overseas. But I've seen the repercussions of having the head of the household who establishes that presence and example. He doesn't have a good relationship with me, my sister, or my mom. That's the cost. It's a heavy cost, I'll be honest. Like, I get really emotional talking about it because I want a closer relationship with my dad. I've tried to have these conversations with him and it's not met with, I guess, friendliness. There's a wall there. And I think that's what I think is the heaviest consequence is not having a great family or like love, like love where it could be open and free. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the most frustrating part, because I want that for myself. Mm-hmm. Being engaged now, that's the biggest thing for me. It's like, hey, I want to maximize the amount of ability that I can express myself and also intake. And that's part of expressing your emotions, being in tune with your emotions and your partner's emotions or your friends. Friends are also equally important. When people who aren't in tune with their emotions, they don't have great friendships. That's just the truth. Yeah, it's like what Jack was saying towards the end. It's it's being able to empathize. And I think that matters a lot, especially with sort of where the world is right now. It matters a lot to understand where people are in their lives, be um, considerate of that. And honestly, I don't think there's really enough of that. It just makes you relate to people better. It just helps you be a better friend, a better husband, a better wife, a better daughter, sister, you know, all of that. And a better person, yeah. And it sort of gives you a sense of peace. And I'll just say from my own personal experience that I'm, I tend to have a very busy mind. So I'm very like, I'm doing this and I'm thinking about like all the things that could go right and go wrong at the same time. You know, you're never truly present in the moment. And I want to say that, yes, that's all because I've suppressed my emotions and all that, because I think that's just sort of how I am as a person. But certainly doesn't help. Earlier you said like just kind of numbing out. That also bleeds into the different areas of what you're talking about right now. Right. So that when your head's in 50 different spaces, but not in the present moment and not connecting with, say, mom, when you're spending time with her, then it's kind of numbing yourself to actually what she's saying, what she's feeling. Not to say that you're not able to like feel when she's sad or she's expressing stuff, you know, but that numbingness kind of bleeds through into different areas versus if you're truly present, you can't be numb. Right. Because like you're really you're really there. You're really in taking everything what they're saying and even what they're not saying so when you're numb you just don't feel you don't process that makes sense why people space out when they're numb is that how regina when you have expressed that it's hard for you to get in touch sometimes with how you're feeling how does that resonate with what i just said about feeling numb and present i think that i'm very much so like mike where i'm also thinking of like all the different scenarios of how things could work out while it's happening but i think that for me with my emotions like what i've noticed is that i've always just tried not to let things bother me and so there's a lot of kind of like oh that doesn't bother me oh that doesn't bother me and then one day it really does (laughs) and then when it really bothers me I'm just I can't let it go and so it may not end up in like an explosive fight or anything but I think being more open about my emotions with people in my life like they start to kind of pick up on those cues like I remember I was traveling with one of my best friends and I was getting really irked and she could tell 
And that's when she like sat down. She's like, hey, let's talk. And I think that kind of giving your inner circle those social cues like helps you kind of get in tune with your emotions too. Because sometimes I don't even realize that until she brings it up or until my mom brings it up. And they're like, why are you being so snappy? And then I look internally and I'm like, okay, why do I feel this way? And I think that took many years of just conditioning and trying to figure out like, okay, how do I feel about things? I feel like growing up, I was taught to just be really neutral. Don't have an opinion about anything. It took me years to figure out like, oh, people have favorite colors. Like people have favorite kind of noodles. Like I literally didn't know that there was a difference. It was just kind of a matter of like also just coming into myself and knowing like, hey, I have opinions and they're valid. Also being a woman and being Asian, a lot of the times our opinions are kind of just swept away into the wind and they're like, oh yeah, okay, sure. You say that or you think that, but it's not really valid. And so I think it was that tied into the emotion that made me just like, like, okay, well, I don't want to speak up or I don't want to show emotions because I don't want to let other people know how I think or even show that like, oh, yeah, I agree with them or I don't agree with them because it in a way kind of almost felt like uh, an attack on myself. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that highly resonates with kind of the theme of what we're talking about with emotions, whether for men or women, is this idea of the underlying fear of what happens from that. And I think that's why it ties all back to our inner child of seeing the direct consequences of what that type of emotion brings out and what happens. So I think there's like a fear of judgment. There's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of feeling too much is feeling sadness, feeling hurt, feeling pain. So when you numb it out, then you don't have to feel that. That's why everything's fine. That doesn't bother me. Like you reacting that way, whatever. But ultimately, that's just a defense mechanism for yourself. So not feeling stuff, that's actually a myth. You are feeling it. You absolutely have emotions attached to that, but what your reaction to it and what patterns have served you to not feel that pain, who wants to be in pain all the time, right? Is to block it out, is to numb it out. And then ultimately, as you grow older, it's vocalized and I'm fine. Everything's fine. That's cool. That's okay. And you seem very even keel and that's your image. Yeah, nothing phases Mike. He's cool. Yeah, he's he's chill. But really, when the conflict arises, when, yeah, you can't hold back anymore because those emotions flood out because they've been building up. And then it's like, <gasps> who am I? Why is this happening? So that is a really big consequence. And when those flood of emotions come out, not being able to process what that means and why, because those are all bits and pieces taken from different moments of your life. And then when they all come out, they all kind of blend into one big fuel emotion so that it's almost uncontrollable, which is why I can see it's tied to like lack of control. I guess moving on to kind of the wrapping up stage of this episode of what are your guys' takeaways that you have for yourself, but also for people out there who are going through, you know, the hard time being able to express and be vulnerable, which I think is what we're talking about here, being vulnerable because expressing your emotion and trusting other people with that emotion to express it is being vulnerable. And that can be very scary. So what are your guys' takeaways that you like to share? My biggest takeaway from just looking at my life is just have patience. Honestly, it takes a long time to grow. <laughs> That's when you, as you get older, you reflect back and you're like, man, like that took me years to get to where I am right now. And it could be a job. It could be for a lot of people. It's like their career. And that takes time. You have to go to college. You have to learn skills. 
sure, when you're 22, 23, you want to be a manager, you want to be a director, but you have, honestly, the truth is you don't have the skills. You can't manage people. You're not technically ready. Sure, there's some geniuses out there, but for the most part, you're not. And that goes with emotions and emotional growth and emotional maturity, especially in men. You have to have that patience for yourself. You're not going to get from point A to point Z, like right away. And for the opposite sex, it's also be patient with guys. Because if we're talking about stereotypical, I hear this from a lot of girlfriends saying like, oh my gosh, my boyfriend's just like, doesn't get it. It's because he doesn't have the same experience to express himself as you do. And it takes patience. And I know it's frustrating because <laughs> I hear this a lot. It's like, oh, he doesn't get it. Why isn't he there? It's because he's been suppressing all that stuff for a long time. And it's going to take just some patience. Yeah, like men are horribly disadvantaged when it comes to <laughs> emotions. We're not, we're not all emotional prodigies like Christine is. <laughs> oh, I've never had that. Why did you go there, Mike? Why? I don't even know if that's it. I don't even know if that was a compliment or not. <laughs> You're the phoenix of emotion. I came I out of the yeah. womb emotional. <laughs> yeah, way more emotional than everyone. I took all my brother's emotions because it just came all on me. <laughs> I guess just to be real with yourself and... If you're feeling angry about something, if you're feeling sad about something or bothered about something, don't try to suppress it and say, I shouldn't feel this way. It's impolite of me to feel this way. It's not right of me to feel this way. I feel this way for a reason. And a lot of those reasons have to do with my values, have to do with my beliefs. And those aren't bad things because those are the things that make you you. Those are the things that make you a contributing member to society. Those feelings shouldn't be suppressed. They should be embraced. And I think once you're real with those feelings, then you start to become more you and you start to understand how to control that. And I guess one thing that I would say is don't feel ashamed to ask for help mm. and to ask for people to talk to, whether that's professional help with a therapist or just your parents or, you know, your siblings or your friends. I think it's important that, you know, you let those emotions out. You know, you, you let what you have that's kind of building up within you out in a positive way. And if you surround yourself with people that you love and people that you trust, then I think that's a very positive way to get it out. That's a really good point. Mm, yeah. I think just no one's really truly alone. I think guys isolate themselves. <gasps> the lone wolf. Yeah, like I, I thought that. I, I've told you that. I always feel like I'm kind of like a man on an island. That's something I developed for myself growing up as a guy. But that's not the truth. That's a lie that I'm telling myself. And I like the way they put it, Mike. It's just don't be afraid to ask for help because yeah. there is help out there. There's mm -hmm. tons of people, men and women, that can relate to your situation. Right. And being able to pick up on those narratives that are cycling in your head. Yeah. Because when you're unconscious of it, that's actually what you're listening to and what you're building evidence on mm -hmm. unconsciously. Yeah. But then you realize it's actually all been a lie. Then you're like, <gasps> excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> and those are voices that you created for yourself. Yes. It's voices that like you don't even exist yeah sometimes you internalize from like someone in your life has actually said that yeah and you've internalized that as truth mm -hmm. i think the guy said it really well you know once you have that better understanding of yourself life can only go up from there because you know when you get hurt or when you have kind of these emotions bubbling up you and not necessarily have control over them but just have an understanding of them yeah and you can use that to your advantage hey this thing makes me really sad okay how can we make it happier or how can we use that for your own self-improvement and also for society um, and so for society yeah i think that for sure when you have everything pent up especially for me as an only child i had a lot of friends growing up but you know sometimes i would just still feel like really really alone and 
at home in a house full of, you know, three other adults, I was always the youngest and always had to do as I was told. So to understand those emotions and to like start to stand up for myself as well, I think that that was a huge part of it, just understanding my emotions and using them to my advantage. Right. And I really like what you said about that because, you know, me being an emotional prodigy, you know, um, (laughs) no, like speaking about that is like, since I'm very in tune with how the spectrum of emotions that I felt, I realized as I gotten older and being able to be curious and introspective about it is that there's a very specific feeling I get when it comes to women being able to hone in on, oh, these are the things that I really relate to. This is how I feel. And then being able to express that with other people and them also going like, oh my God, me too. Like that created a space for me to be like, this is essentially why I'm talking on this podcast. This is essentially why I went into Wong Fu and all these things because I was able to tap into that and have a better understanding for myself and my own self-truth that this is something that it's not just me. Being able to express that and finding commonality. Yeah, exactly. To be able to connect with other people is very unique to me in that way because obviously I interpret my emotions through the lens that I have seen you know and being able to process that and connect with other people and then take in their experiences as well and then now on a podcast or whatever it's in a video I can project that outwards for other people to connect so you know there's a lot of things that whether you're saying like emotion to take it to your advantage or to embrace it as part of you that's all very true taking the stigma off emotions and feelings and like not being mad Manly and being more feminine and that's a sign of weakness like that's all a misconception that the world has fed through their own filter i agree with my brother it's like it's time you know we're seeing the real consequences to that this is not connecting us as people and we're all being more isolated within our own perspectives of life therefore it's hard to hear the other person one question i did want to ask was what are some ways from your guys's eyes that women can show up better to be able to help men express their feelings at least in the context of our relationship or the relationship i had with you know the strong women in my life is i don't know just that presence of acceptance i think that's the biggest thing i mean when i look back i was not like the easiest brother or son boyfriend to really talk to in terms of expressing emotion. I don't know if you feel that way, Christine, but I feel like we've had a lot of late night conversations where you're just asking me poignant questions. As I answered a question earlier, you were really patient with me. You didn't really say that, hey, why aren't you at this place emotionally? Because you understood like, hey, I got my own process. I got my own growth that is part of my life. It has nothing to do with you actually, in the sense that just because I'm not where you want me to be, that's not where I'm supposed to be. I'm only here at this moment with what I can express. But at the end of the day, there's this divide that we create, as you said, between men and women, but there really isn't. (laughs) We're just all growing at different levels, different timelines. So yeah, just being there, listening, and also just being supportive. That's the biggest thing. And in time, it does come around. It really does. I think that's, I mean, obviously me being the other person on that side of what you just described, it can be very hard because I think as women, sometimes we're just like, we have all the feels because we're able to have all these feels, right? And then when that's not being reciprocated through our boyfriend, our dad, um, our brother, we're like, come on. We feel rejected. Yeah. 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 And then we feel like in our own heads, we're like, oh my God, I'm being dramatic, right? Like you think that like I'm making a bigger deal out of this and that becomes a fight in itself and we're actually just processing our emotions as we're trying to get you to process your emotions so this is ongoing cycle of just narratives in our own heads that we're projecting on other it's people. frustrating on the guy's end too it's not like 
when girls are like, oh my God, like he's not expressing himself. Like, what is he doing? He's doing this on purpose. No, it's frustrating for the guy. Yeah. It's like he wants to connect with you too. It's not like he's like, oh, I don't care. At least for me. It's not that I don't want to. It's just I'm not ready. Like everything that you're telling me, I can't process. I literally cannot process to the degree that you can, which is what Mike said earlier. <laughs> We're stunted. We're stunted. I know. I think it's just funny because some, sometimes a guy would just be sitting there and a girl would be like, what are you thinking about? What? <laughs> what is it? Like, what? You look like you're, it looks like something's bothering you and you're and just like, nothing. Like, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm literally thinking about nothing. Like, <laughs> and this is nice. You know? And <laughs> Thank you. You just interrupted it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was. I, I had nothing on my mind. <laughs> it took me like 15 minutes to get to this place. <laughs> but yeah, I think just kind of understanding that men are wired differently. Whether that's, I mean, that's within ourselves, but also how society has sort of taught us how to be too, and just to be patient. You know, just to um, just to quit nagging us all the time. <laughs> Why did you make eye contact? <laughs> he only looked directly at Christine when he said that. But um, no, I think we are social creatures, and I would like to say that if we need companionship and if we need someone to talk to, that we will find that person. Well, like as in when you're ready to open. I say yeah. in terms of with whether it's your girlfriend or the women in your life. That as men, when you're ready, you guys will be able to express that on your own time versus being pushed to express it on, I guess, our time. Yeah, so stop asking us how we feel when we just want to sit on a park bench <laughs> and I think about nothing. You keep saying that. Like, go sit on this park bench that you keep talking about. No one's stopping you. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess... Everything that you guys said makes a lot of sense. But what are some practical things like in a conversation? If you guys can put yourself in the situation right now with your sisters or your significant other, and she's like, you guys have been fighting about something or there's something that's been bothering both of you. And she's like, well, what do you think? How come you're not saying anything? What can we do moving forward? And you have nothing. What are things that she can say or do or reframe in her head at that moment and keep in mind? My brother, quit nagging. Yeah. <laughs> Stop asking me these yeah. questions. Same my my answer is the same. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. For me, a tangible thing is a lot of times when you can't express your emotions verbally, it's easier to write it down for a guy. Like, you know, some people who write in journals, a lot of people write in journals. I write in journals. It yeah, helps me understand. It's different because when someone's asking you a question, you're afraid of judgment, number one. But when you write it down or you say it to yourself first, like it's easier to express what you truly feel. Versus when you're being put on the spot, for example, then you're like, oh my God, like, how do I answer this? And you're starting to panic a little bit, especially when talking about emotional feelings in a guy's perspective. It's like, oh man, like, I actually don't know. I don't know. You're putting him on the spot. Just back off. Maybe write it down. Like, that's why sometimes people write emails to each other in a relationship because they're like, I can't express everything that I want to express in the heat of the moment because the emotions are running too high. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I got a real answer now. <laughs> Scratch everything you answer. just. I got a real answer. <laughs> I got an actual answer now. Just to take some time off, because guys are not as good at processing their emotions. It's like when you're put on the spot and you're kind of backed in the corner. You're just gonna say anything to get them out of your face, and you're gonna say something that's hurtful. I mean, I've done it a lot, and I regret doing it a lot. So you know, a lot of times I would go work out or I would go shoot around. Or, you know, 
take just a take a breather take a breather mm-hmm. and come back collect my thoughts and come back in a more you know, stable condition but i also want to preface that with what is something that i've learned recently is that like a lot of times i would do that but i would also like disappear for the whole day and for that i took that as like oh i need this time to myself and i need this to like really get to a place where i'm okay talking again but I also think if you're going to do that, there's a responsibility to be respectful of the other person, too, because th- that person is actually just waiting for you to come back. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, al- it's also important that there's a bit of a compromise there that like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere for three hours. I'm going to go to L.A. Fitness, shoot around. I'll be back and then we'll talk again. But I think if you're able to sort of have that communication, have that compromise, then it's like you don't have as many situations where you're just like saying something to get them out of your face and just to get them away from you. That's a good one. Yeah. That actually, when I think back on a lot of fights that I've had with guys, (laughs) that it's like, oh, that's what they were doing. (laughs) Stop, get out of my face. Jeez. (laughs) This emotional prodigies. (laughs) I'm the actual emotional prodigy in this family. You just gave me that title. Okay. I look at it. (laughs) And he taketh away. Well, at least he's communicating it. <laughs> he's taking responsibility. Like, Damn, I already changed my handle. <laughs> uh, yeah, emotional prodigy. XOXO. XOXO emotional prodigy. Do you guys find it easier to open up to other guys or to girls? And even more specifically, like significant others? I think for a lot of guys, they reserve that for a girl. And specifically, their significant other. It's like you get a girlfriend and you talk about all your emotional baggage or emotional things that you're going through with her. Yeah. It also depends on what, too. I think with most things, yeah, with my girlfriend, I think I can express myself. She would probably say say different. (laughs) She would probably have a different response to that. And also what you just said about, like, depends on what, too. Because I feel like some, I mean, girls do this, too. But I think a lot of guys tend to separate, like, okay, when I'm having issues with my girlfriend... I'll talk about that with my guy friends instead of communicating with the girlfriend and just keeping that pretty separate versus at least with me and like my girlfriends is like it's all intertwined. Like whatever they're complaining about to their friends about their boyfriend, you can be sure they're going to let their boyfriend know too. Kind of a distinction in that. But also in context of everything what we said and what Mike and Jack have expressed, it's that communicating that and being able to take responsibility for what you're feeling with who you're feeling that with, whether that's family, parents, significant others or friends. It's okay to have those feelings and then to work on being able to communicate that in a way that matches with your intention, which is very, very hard to do that's still an ongoing learning process for even an emotional prodigy as myself just because you are struggling with that it doesn't say anything about you like oh you're not good enough that you suck at this emotion thing you don't know yourself it's just a process like jack says it's trusting in that journey and that everyone is going through it our parents are like in their mid-60s and they are barely scratching the surface of that they've gone through the pyramid and now they're reaching the what are my feelings and needs and i mean and that we shared this in past episodes where being able to be the channel and the bridge for that to your parents is a great thing to kind of practice as well. Yeah, they're open to it. You just got to be the one to kind of ask them and get them to open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes that maybe say for the guys out there, like as you're processing this, maybe you will have to be the one to find the courage in expressing your vulnerability with the people around you to establish that safe space because waiting for someone to give 
give you that invitation, especially amongst your friends or peers that don't do that, can be difficult. Like you'll be waiting for a long time is what I'm saying. So yeah, that's part of the process too. Sometimes it's just learning that maybe you're the one that will be the catalyst to opening up that open space. And that's fantastic if it is. So yeah, any last words? You guys are said everything you guys need to say. Express your emotions. Yeah, yeah. Bring me back for like a happy episode. Yeah, <laughs> this is an extremely <laughs> happy episode. <laughs> yeah, let, let's do another one. But this was pretty heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, any last words, Jack? No, I'm just super honored to be a guest. The chemistry that you guys have, I'm perfectly imperfect. It's always been there, and I'm I'm super proud of you guys. Aww. And I think it really does translate on the pod. You guys are exactly how you are outside. As crazy as that sounds, it's too intense. Yeah. Yeah. Just to let your listeners know, it's really that intense all the time. <laughs> Just making me sound ungrateful here. Invite me on a happy like, episode. Yeah, I want a better one. one. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on today's episode. But you know, I think that this is a really good insight for both Christine and I to really kind of understand how your guys' brains work. <laughs> and com- I mean, like, what? I- going on in there yeah. <laughs> and i feel like this episode has really like brought in that understanding for all of us hopefully yeah thank you both and, and regina i mean because you know you guys and me and this is when the episode ends (laughs) no but yeah thank you jack and mike for you know being able to tap into very vulnerable spaces and to say that in public for people to hear but also i believe that this will benefit a lot of people out there whether you're a guy or a girl and i think this is a perfect example of you can be perfectly imperfect as a guy or a girl i think like when it comes to our podcast it's like oh that's a girl thing you know taking into account everything that you guys have said like you guys have a lot of feels for a reason and suppressing that or hiding that from the world is actually such a disservice to not only yourselves but to everyone around you and thus the world so yeah to encourage everyone out there who hears this and maybe this spurs on some conversation within like your own dysfunctional families or groups in your life and yeah let us know how that goes or if you guys have any more questions we can bring on these two again and this is the last time we're coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if this episode resonated with you at all, it'd mean the world to us if you pass it along to a friend, you know, open up those conversations and get them going. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. <laughs>